Hello and welcome to another episode of El Dino, only on RiotRadio.ca and all of our other affiliations. Today we are talking about um, a new uh, topic, if you want to call that. Uh, you can also call it the uh, the second or the yin and the the yin to the yang of the last episode. Uh, we're talking about divergent evolution. So last week, if you missed it, we talked about convergent evolution, and convergent evolution is animals of a different species in different locales developing similar traits to adapt in similar environments um, or ecological, ecological niches, um, which I also said it was the opposite of divergent evolution. So today we're talking about divergent evolution, which kind of long-winded. I'm going to try my best to keep it nice and simple uh, because it can be very complicated, <laughs> um, but also very simple at the same time. So you'll see. Uh, so the exact definition of divergent evolution from Biology Dictionary, which is an online thing, um, it says a process whereby groups from a common ancestor evolve and accumulate differences resulting in the formation of a new species. Which basically means in layman's terms, group of animals, common ancestor, um, they evolve, they all kind of change slightly to a point where they're all different animals. Um, but they're still in the same, well, they're all different species, but they're still in the same, like, genus. So, Galapagos finches is the number one kind of divergent evolution um, uh, graph or chart that you're always going to see. So, I made one myself, because I like to draw. Um, and it's not very good, but it's it's there. So, divergent evolution. All the birds happen to look like Natu from Pokemon, as my brother said. But, again, that's the ideal bird shape. Round, beak, um, and legs, and wings. That's all you need. And that's what these finches have. So, we have our uh, progenitor, which means uh, the first um, finch right here. It's kind of backwards where I'm looking on the screen, but right here. So, we have this little finch. He starts this whole thing off. And there's a graph on there, or the chart on the other side, but you don't get to see that yet. Then you have finch one gets to uh, the Galapagos, which is off the coast of South America, gets to the Galapagos. And finch, like the original finch, it's okay. It's doing fine there, but now, you know, let's say there's a drought. And um, its main food source, we'll say berries, all of a sudden, you know, dies off. So then it has to change because there's an influx of insects and an influx of seed-bearing trees. So now it has to change. Um, so then it, it adapts to have different beaks. So let's say, you know, they change to have different beak shape and then they get bigger wings. Um, and then from there, let's say the drought goes away and now um, the, the fruit's back, but now the birds have evolved to be, you know, specialized, so then they have to evolve to be different as well. So now all of a sudden you have birds that are good for fruit and good for insects and good for seeds. And this is all really kind of how divergent evolution works, where it's an arms race to see which animal can exploit um, its niche and exploit the food source that those offer. So it's really cool in that aspect because you have animals that have to adapt and overcome ecological issues or changes that then lead to them being a completely new species. Um, if you want to look on the back of my other graph or chart, we have horses. Now, for some reason, my early brain, my, my early brain, my brain decided that early horses was spelled early houses. So I tried to fix it, but I wrote in pen. So kids don't use pen, use uh, pencil because you can erase it. But now we have early horses. And then early horses made donkeys, horses, and zebras. Or as my grandmother says, zebras. So, we have these three species. The early horse didn't look much like your normal horses today. It was cat-sized. It didn't even have hooves. It had proto-hooves, which were basically like little pads. 
Um, but then eventually it evolved to have hooves due to some thing. If you look in um, After Man, a zoology of the future by Dougal Dixon, um, which kind of sparked this for me, um, he has an entire page about... Um, the natural selection and how it changes. So you look at early horses in this one, which um, I made a, a different chart, but this is the one he has. And it talks about how early horses had to slowly evolve to be able to get away from predators or, you know, move over long distances. So they evolved to have proper hooves. And then those hooves, you know, sparked longer legs. And then from there, it spirals out of control. And then also you have finches over here on this page. And the finches talks about how you have ones that are made for cactuses, and one that you made for eating things off the ground, and ones for trees, and one for insects, and all this kind of talks about what divergent evolution is, which is the evolutionary um, pressures that force animals into change, which is honestly really cool. Um, <laughs> one of the things I love about nature is the fact that every time force is put on an animal, it makes them change to suit uh, the, for, like the the pressure. So you look at, again, early horses. At one point in time, they were like tiny and cat-sized and were preyed on by giant birds. And they had to change. So then you have you have horses that evolved to have hooves. And then they, and then let's say they started climbing onto, you know, rockier steps um, where all of a sudden donkeys, that donkey shape was better for it. So then they evolved to be donkeys. But then you look at the other horses that didn't go onto the step and they kept going in one direction, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're horses. And they stayed uh, being horses because it was easier to run long distances. And then you had the horses that needed to hide from predators in plain sight, so they became zebras. Um, and then you have, like, these all kinds of crazy things where all these different pressures force animals to change, but at the same time, they can still be related to each other. They're all equine. Like, all these horses... Horses. Um, all still exist today. Zebras, horses, and donkeys, which was reverse of how I did it. But it's all there. And it's all kind of crazy when you think about how one spark is all it takes for animals to just go and change. Um, another thing is looking at crows. So you have carrion crows, you have crows, and you have magpies. All these things, again, all very similar. They're all related to each other, but they're all very different. And they, something back when they were just one bird, forced them to change. Uh, if you want a, a great example is actually crocodiles. So today we have crocodiles. We have saltwater crocodiles. We have freshwater crocodiles. We have Nile crocodiles. We have caiman. We have garyelle. We have alligators. All these things came from one early type of alligator or crocodile um, that then sparked all these changes. If you go back far enough, we had crocodiles ruling the landscape. We had Sucho or Sucosaurus or Sucosaurus or Suco something, Suco something. Um, and it was a very large crocodile, and it preyed on pretty much anything it wanted. And then you had crocodiles that would go more into the ocean, and they would, you know, eat more aquatic ocean-dwelling animals. And then you had Caprosuchus, which was the boar crocodile, which had, like, these crazy tusks, and it might have ran. And then you had a crocodile that had basically proto-hooves that would just chase after prey. Um, and you have all these things that, these crazy pressures that change animals into these forms... Um, that make them, again, they're all still crocodilian, they're all still related, um, but they're not the same animal they were, and they can't interbreed with each other. So it's crazy that nature can force these changes on animals, and instead of just lying down and dying, they change to suit um, the environment that's been given to them. Really cool, really kind of makes you think on how nature will always prevail. I really hope it does. Um, 
And then, as I said here, the factors that can uh, kind of like force things to change is volcanic eruptions. Let's say volcanoes erupt, cover the uh, um, the place in ash, animals have to adapt. Either they die off or they change. Um, you can have new niches becoming available. Let's say you have an invasive species come over, and let's say it's like um, a predatory bird, and it wipes out all of the smaller birds in the area because it's just really good at doing that. Then you're going to have other animals that will see that niche open and evolve to fill it. So it's really crazy where you have, again, these random things, random acts that can just force an animal into divergent evolution. If you want to look at wolves, this is a really good classic one, wolves into dogs. Dogs, almost all species of dog, uh, we force them into changing to be like how they are, but that's also divergent evolution because, loosely at least, because they can still interbreed, but some of them can't. You can't have a Great Dane and a Chihuahua. That's just not going to work. Um, but you can have like certain dogs that are closer related interbreed. So we're getting there. We're getting to where divergent evolution is making new species, and dogs are a big one. Um, as I said, the finches, the finches are huge, um, because again, they were animals that just happened to migrate to these islands that were empty of finches, and the finches just took off and took over. And it's, again, really insane when you think that birds or, like, you know, we can have a rat on a, on a log that floats to an island. And it just takes over because it fills it and changes. And it's honestly crazy. You look at Selenodons, which I was watching a, um, a I think it's called Strange Animals by PBS um, something. But it's it's crazy because Selenodons are venomous um, mammals that evolved to be venomous just to help catch their prey. But they didn't originate on the, like, where they are. So it's it's all this craziness where evolution is so... So wacko. And again, if you look at stuff like After Man, which is again what I based this episode off of, in this they have rats take over the world because all the larger predators have died off. So you have rats that all of a sudden form the, like, evolve into the form of foxes and wolves and, you know, bears. And then you have rats that evolve into the forms of smaller, like, you know, insectivores or in some cases smaller um, predators or carnivores like weasels. And it's not far-fetched to think that after a while, you could have animals fill these niches and diverge into different, never-before-seen shapes and sizes, but all still be related to each other in the sense that they're all in the same family. So it's, oh, it's just honestly, it's so, it's so crazy, um, and I love it, and I hope you enjoyed um, Divergent Evolution. Again, it's kind of a loose episode. I'm not an expert, unfortunately. I'm more of an amateur at this, and uh, I hope I explain it to the best of my ability, and you can understand it and take something away from this. Um, if not, you know, there's tons of great websites to look up and tons of great videos to find and, and watch. So hopefully you will spark that kind of idea. Um, but if not, hope you enjoyed. Hope you like my drawings as always. I only had two today. Um, but they're really good if you ask me. Like, that bird, that is peak bird shape right there. Look at that guy. He is just round and happy. And that's that's what you need for birds. Um, and with that, I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> uh, my name is Eldon Atkin. Uh, I'm uh, signing off from Eldino. I will catch you next week where hopefully we get back to talking about dinosaurs and I can hear from you about what kind of dinosaurs you want to hear about. And uh, I'll catch you later. See ya.